HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a podcast about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable. With your host, me, Zartangora, a.k.a. the New York Lottery Guy, and uh, me, Nicole. Who did not grow up with that guy. <laughs> oh, right. So you didn't have a fast-talking, freewheeling lottery guy in Indiana. No, we just had, like, the micro-machines guy. Yes, he was also a fast-talker. I mean, a fast-talker, that requires a real skill level that, like, I mean, I can do that for a minute. Like, hello, Nicole, how's everything going? But, like, how long could you really, like, sustain that for? Like, uh, an auctioneer or something? Who are these people? Yeah, that's their, like, whole deal, I think. They go to college for this, fast-talking. You know, it's more like a trade, like a trade school. <laughs> like instead of high school, you just do your senior year at Fast Talking University. I think you finish high school and then go into the trade. Hmm. <laughs> right into the field. They throw you right in. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. You have to have a short tongue for that. Yes, that's what they say. Hmm. Nicole, hello. How are you? Good. It's snowing in my town, which is fine. <laughs> is it? First snow of the season? No, it snowed quite a bit. Did it? We have had no snowflakes here. Honestly, I don't think there's been a single or married flake here all season. No? We had a no. big snowstorm, I don't know, a couple, three weeks ago. And then, yeah. well, I guess maybe like a month ago. And then Christmas time, there was also snow. Hmm. Yeah, no flakes here whatsoever. And it doesn't look like there's any coming anytime soon. And that disappoints me because you know how much I love to make snow angels <laughs> and well, snow devils. It's pretty much melting on impact. So you would not be able to make a snow angel in it. It just <laughs> makes driving more hazardous. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. Are you going to do anything on this snow day? Are you going to make a pot of soup? going to cozy no. up by the fire? No, I don't have a fire. I'm basically really stuck in the middle of the Ken Burns 10-part Vietnam War documentary. <laughs> so News. <laughs> I'm definitely going to finish that today. It's like 10 parts. Each part is two hours long. Yeah, I watched it. I actually watched it years ago with my dad. Yeah. It was one of the last things we did together. <laughs> well, I'm happy to remind you of that. Um, Thank you. I was like, before you die. Super effed up. It is. Folks, it turns out the Vietnam War, really problematic. Yeah. And also... The last 10 years or so, not necessary. <laughs> well, that's just your opinion. <laughs> um, well, they knew they couldn't win it in 65, and it didn't end until 75, so you do the math. I know. It's a real, It's really terrible. Uh, and that, that Ken Burns, huh? He has a real way with a long, drawn-out, <laughs> hours-long piece. Have you ever seen the New York, his New York uh, series? I believe, yes. I think I've seen most of them. I've also seen the Dust Bowl, which is super long and depressing. It made me cry. <laughs> totally. And so dusty. 
very dusty. People are like starving to death and covered in dust. It's rude. It's just adding insult to injury. It's one thing to be starving to death and then also to be covered up in dust. And you know, it's I'm allergic to dust. I wouldn't have lasted a second in the dust bowl. Yeah, they would have put you down. <laughs> this woman is sneezing too much. Um, Nicole, <laughs> I I have to like interject. I know that usually you're the one to bring this up, but there's something very disturbing in the news this week about one Mr. Ben Affleck. Uh, is he like, was he working at Dunkin' Donuts? No, it's all sure? a sham. He's not working there. He filmed a commercial there, a multi-million dollar deal of some sort. Like, he needs any more money. I'm like, why don't they just give him free Dunkin' for life, which he also doesn't really need because he can afford it. So but, the commercial was about him working there. Yeah, he pretends like he works at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and Jalen visits him at work, which obviously they probably don't really allow actual Dunkin' and Donuts employees spouses to visit them i bet they don't even uh, let them do that <laughs> wow amazing um well i thought it was very interesting and i was like this guy is just cosplaying as like a working class person which is just like offensive to actual working class people like let me see what it's like to work for a day in my life you know like yeah making but I had the to donuts super famous wife to work and like disrupt service very interesting which they would not allow i bet I mean, we need to call Duncan and see. It's like, if I was an employee there, would my spouse be able to visit me? <laughs> and totally. come behind I mean, the line, stick her head out the drive-thru window? I don't think so. <laughs> Any other uh, Affleck news this week? No, I just found out that he, um, yeah, there's a multi-million dollar deal involved. Um, and one of the news wire things was like, Ben Affleck sparks reactions, just reactions. <laughs> they don't say what kind of reactions. They just know that people are reacting. Um, people are feeling away about this. Sparks reactions with Duncan commercial. He is living his dream. <laughs> <laughs> just a man with a full Phoenix back piece. Working, working at Dunkin', taking orders over the drive-thru window. That's definitely his dream. Oh, it's a Super Bowl commercial, I guess. Oh, sure. That makes sense. Football. Sports. Um, so I don't know if you've been aware of the gas stove stuff that's going on. I am. I've heard tell that gas stoves may go the way of the dodo bird. Yes, which I think is interesting. So one of the articles was like, are gas stoves the new cigarettes? And I was like, well, fine. What if they are? They don't ban cigarettes. Then That's true. They, they just make them really expensive. But you know, the reason why they don't ban cigarettes is because there's a whole tobacco lobby. And there's not really a gas stove lobby, I don't think. <laughs> I'm sure there's a gas stove lobby, but they're like, it's like three people. You know, it's the same <laughs> as the Veal Consortium. What was like the Veal, that Veal group when we did our Veal episode? Oh, there's yeah. like a whole like, like you know, they're big like Veal. They're a little Veal, yeah. <laughs> and that's how I feel about gas stove. I think it's like one guy, like, you know, HP fluff and stuff and like, you know, a couple other people who feel passionately about it. But I can't imagine that they carry much clout. I mean, they're probably just the natural gas lobby. That's real, right? Oh, yeah. That's big gas. They probably are, I would assume, associated with that big gas. But who knows? It's really a mystery. Big gas, your nickname. <laughs> That's your nickname. Um, I also saw in my group chat that Allison Roman posted a Twitter, Twitter tweet and said, I have an induction oven by choice. Ask me anything. And people were wiling out in the comments. <laughs> They're like, why are you such an asshole? <laughs> Is that part of the ask me anything? Um, it's gas related, but still. Um, and what did people ask her? Um, they asked her how she makes perfect Italian coffee. <laughs> Italian the, coffee. They said that. And she was like, I use a chemist. Really? Yeah. Oh, and then God. they're like, how do you turn the heat down really fast? And she's like, the same way that you do on a gas stove. <laughs> oh, interesting. I mean, 
like I feel like I like having a gas stove, but it's not everything to me, mostly because I really don't cook at home very much. But like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, honestly, if you're not working like a restaurant, you're not trying to like put flames to anything. It's not really that big of a deal. Hold on. Sorry. I'm cat sitting a cat. I was wondering what you were doing. Like yelling. Hold on. I'm sorry. This cat's being so annoying. I think you should leave this part in. Quit eating it. <laughs> Show us the cat. Stop. Quit it. Okay, sorry. He's literally chewing on my wooden furniture. Oh my God. What an asshole. So Nicole just had to take a quick break and I was wondering what she was looking at. And it's because she's babysitting a cat, which I could tell right from the get-go when we started this episode before you even mentioned this, that there was a cat in your apartment, just by the way, well, you're looking I, off I in the distance. You guys earlier there was a cat. I didn't hear. <laughs> I don't think she told us. Armin, did she start this show off by telling us there was a cat in the apartment? Yeah, because I had to move this plant thing out of the way because he was eating it. Oh, Armin's dead. He didn't even answer. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a shit. I'm not listening. Now we know you're not listening, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> can you tell us about this cat just a little bit? We'll pivot away from gas stoves and perhaps pivot right back. Even It's a blazing hot content, but I'd rather hear about this cat. What's its name? Charles. Charles in charge? Yes. He's Seems a like he's in kitten charge. still. He's pretty cute, but he's just like really clingy. Yeah. Does he like crawl up you with his evil little spiky claws? He tries to, but I don't let him usually. Here's a picture of him. What about just showing us the real thing? Because he's all the way over there. He's gray. (laughs) Yes, he's gray stripey. He might jump on the screen at any moment. He's on he's in kill mode, so anything can happen. Imagine, I would not be able to handle it. I'm not like mature enough if a cat just like jumped on you like while we were recording, like clung to your face. I'd die. I'd have to quit the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm used to it. It's his favorite pastime. Does he wake you up in the middle of the night and press his feet onto your forehead? He did, the first night I let him sleep with me, quote unquote sleep, um, just because I figured he would be lonely because he's new in town. Um, but he kept jumping on my head repeatedly. Um, he would really? jump on my head and then jump off the bed and then jump back on my head. And then I woke up at like 6 a.m. and all of his toys were on me. <laughs> really? Why do yeah. people keep these things as pets? It's just so interesting to me. I mean, they're cute, but they're like, they don't give a shit about you. Well, I don't. Well, he really does like me a lot. He wants to constantly be touching me. Oh, so um, you think he has a thing for you? No, he's just like that. He's clingy. Charles, how cute. Yesterday when I was doing my research, he came over and laid on my notebook. <laughs> Charles. Charles, you're such a jerk. But he's Do really you call cute. him Charlie? No. What about Chuck? I called him Chuck when he was littler, but now I just call him Charles. Nice. How cute. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, like with induction, gas, I prefer gas, I guess, but I could do induction. I mean, who cares really? You know what I don't like is the like coil that like turns red you know that like old school electric stove that's what i have i had that when i was growing up i don't know it's fine it just feels like you don't have Is enough induction like, the one with like the flat surface like mm-hmm. uh, but i don't my really parents like that, have that much either yeah you have to use like special pans on it or it doesn't heat up okay but let's get to the bottom of this what's up with the why is gas stove bad because we shouldn't be using natural gas or because it's dangerous or what's the they deal? leak yeah they leak chemicals into your apartment even when they're turned off apparently oh really and yours definitely does because remember you caught it on fire <laughs> that explains a lot yes when i almost burned my house down <laughs> making tomato confit imagine of all things like that gets me it's just like a bunch of tomato confit and i die what how rude it's like ridiculous well, like, that would be the way to go. Like people are guessing how you're going to go out. That's probably one of the options or just like three 30 pounds of lasagna falls on your head. <laughs> Crushed by, I'm like, I'm not going to make my biggest lasagna ever. And then it just like falls on me and crushes. That's how I talk when I'm at work. Hey guys, let's make a more lasagna. Pass the ricotta cheese. Yeah. I don't know why you would set it up so high if it's so big. It seems dangerous, but maybe you have a death wish. We don't know. Maybe someone get murders it out you. Of the way. <laughs> you gotta get it out of the way a 30 yeah. 30 million pound lasagna <laughs> yes, 30 million pounds i'm going yeah, to no make way the to survive world... that <laughs> that's like a redwood tree falling right on your face totally or we're making what would what would be even worse like 
making the like world's biggest lasagna. I accidentally slip and fall. I get <laughs> immediately covered by a noodle. Nobody notices mm. me, and I'm baked mm. in it. And then everyone's <laughs> like, where is Zara? She must have just decided to run away from her life. I can't believe she did it right in the middle of making the world's biggest lasagna. And then when they cut into it, they cut into a slice of me, and, like, you know, you have, like, shoulder blade in your piece. Yeah, which would be pretty gross. Mm. Yeah. That would and be traumatizing. You have to eat around to the other side of it. Nicole, well, if we were even... to... Oh, go, no, go ahead. ahead. No, please. I'm just you saying, first. how would you put a large lasagna? Would you have to use an electric oven? <laughs> That's a great point. You can't do that in a gas stove. Am I right, everyone? Correct. Um, yeah. That's why we're moving to get uh, away from gas to electric so we can mm-hmm. cook the world's biggest lasagna now. <laughs> Let me pivot to my next question. This is kind of a non sequitur, but I am curious. If we were tr- uh, lost in the woods in some type of plane crash situation... <laughs> sure. Would you eat me? I don't know. I mean, I like to say no, but when you're super starving, things are different. Okay. Because I just noted. I mean, listen, think about these guys, these prisoners of war in Vietnam. <laughs> Again, with the Vietnam. They told me a story last night about how they were, their POWs for like eight years, which is insane. Um, but this guy was like, okay, so we were starving to death. We then one of the commanders had a cat and we kidnapped the cat, killed it, chopped off its feet, chopped off its head, and we're gonna eat it. <clears throat> but somebody forgot to bury one of the paws. Like, crucial thing that you should, I guess they forgot to do it because they're so hungry. But <laughs> what do you like, mean? You're meant to bury the paw? You have to bury the paw so they don't know you killed their cat. Oh, so it's one of their captors' cats. Okay, I understand. So they tried to bury the paw. They didn't do it. They found out about it, and they tied one of the dudes up to a building and put the dead cat carcass around his neck for, like, two days. And he said all he could think about is that maybe they were still going to let him eat the cat. So I'm just saying it's possible that I'll be so hungry in the forest because I'm not good at, like, finding stuff that you can eat in the forest. That I would uh-huh. eat you, I Well, maybe you would just put me around your own neck, like a mink stall for a couple <laughs> of days. That's a terrible story. And I just like want to say, like, you're always, like, coming down on me because of how much I want to talk about World War One. I'm just, like, <laughs> noting. <laughs> just want to make a note of that. Like, for such a, nays- a war naysayer, I understand that Vietnam is so much more interesting. But still, but still. I don't think I've seen the Kenberg's World War One documentary. Maybe I should check that out. Does he have one? I think I don't know. I thought there was one. The Great well, War. Anyway, the Great <laughs> the America's War. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Um, on that note, do you think we should get into today's topic, which I'm still actually unclear about what it is, and that's going to make for a hell of an episode, folks. Well, we were supposed to do New York restaurants. New New York restaurants. Yes, I'm on that tip. But then you mentioned briefly well, I that we were going to talk about Noma. Yeah, I couldn't figure out anything that, I mean, yes, it's fun to make fun of new restaurants, but I also was just like, this isn't really that fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's like punching, punching. Well, it's not really punching down, but it is punching somewhere. Oh and no, it's just I like, want to punch them. I just, yeah, I just feel like 
I'm happy to punch them at any time. I just think that like it's been done before and I don't know. I just didn't find it that funny. So I decided we should talk about something way more hilarious and that is Noma, the greatest restaurant on earth. <laughs> I can't wait. What do we have? What do you have for us today? Okay. So I'm going to start from the beginning. I got this information from wikipedia.com, hustle.com, your favorite website. And mm. from the failing New York Times. Um, first things first, if you Google Noma without any other qualifier, such as restaurant or staff abuses, um, <laughs> what you find is that Noma actually is an oral facial gangrene affecting malnourished children. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he named the restaurant after, his favorite yeah. facial affliction. Yes, he did. Um, okay, but the restaurant itself is a three Michelin star restaurant run by Rene Redzepi. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Have you met him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we used to go out. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, and co-founded by Klaus Meyer, who I think is just some rich guy. I don't know. It's in Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, its name comes from two Danish words that basically translate to no Nordic food. So clever name. Um, they started the restaurant in 2003, which is kind of crazy to me. I did not realize it had been open for 20 American years and Nordic years. Um, the whole idea behind it was foraging invention interpretation of new Nordic cuisine. Um, and they did a good job, allegedly, um, in 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2014. They got best restaurant in the world. In 2021, they got first place in the world's 50 best restaurants, which means they can't compete anymore. They won. They can't compete with anyone else anymore. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, it was – it's still open. They're closing this year. Well, they're closing in 2024, but um, it was one of those places where very much making fun of it in the movie, the menu, um, but basically a $500 per person tasting menu that had like foraged wild duck eggs and deer brains um, and like 20 courses. So... Yeah, so they, but they, you know, people were into it. They were really into flying to Copenhagen <laughs> just to get a $500 meal. Um, he sort of became, like, a big deal. And his restaurant idea kind of was copied many times, you know, by many people. Um, but anyway, I want to talk to you about how on February 12th of 2013, 63 diners got norovirus from eating there. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> um, and then in 2016, they closed. Well, they said, okay, we're going to close in 2017, and we're going to reopen as an urban farm. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but instead, they reopened after a year in just a new location. And they're like, just kidding. We're just Noma again. And everyone was like, Cool. Um, during COVID in the year 2020, they, they closed for a period of time. Then they reopened as a wine and burger bar, which I think is hilarious. What? <laughs> a wine and burger bar? Yeah. I'm like, was it $500? What kind of burger? Like chinchilla burgers? Yeah. I have no idea, but do they even like burgers in Denmark? Do they even like chinchilla? Do they have chinchillas there? Uh, unclear. There's no way to find out. Um, but then once COVID stopped happening, <laughs> yeah, once, uh, once COVID forever. was cured, um, they went back to their normal service. Um, and the New York Times article mentions serving reindeer heart on a bed of fresh pine and saffron ice cream in a beeswax bowl, which that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's fine. I'd have saffron ice cream. Or I'd have a reindeer heart, too. I mean, that's probably sure. fine. Seems fine, yeah. <clears throat> Hopefully they weren't one of Santa's 
little reindeer. Um, <laughs> um, Fingies crossed. <laughs> so yeah, they're doing their normal thing. Um, but then, you know, Renee shocked the world by announcing that they were going to be closing um, and turning into a full-time food laboratory for e-commerce. <laughs> what? That's what they're closing for? Yeah, they're going to become an e-commerce food laboratory. What even is e-commerce? That's when you buy stuff on the internet. Right. Okay, that's what I thought. So then, like, they're just going to be research researching food you can buy on the internet? No, they're going to make food that you can buy on the internet. Oh. In a laboratory. <laughs> like reindeer heart. People have been clamoring for. For as long I as I can remember. It seems like they're going to be, like, packaging weird shit that they sold at the restaurant like mushroom reduction and stuff (laughs) just try heating up a deer's butthole on an induction (laughs) stove i dare you yeah good call um so yeah he was like listen you guys i am stopping this restaurant because fine dining is not sustainable it's grueling backbreaking we have to rethink the whole industry. So some people, according to the New York Times article, are cynical about this. And they're like, okay, well, this dude's been talking about how the industry has broken since at least 2015 when he wrote an essay about it. Um, why is he just now closing when he's already finally gotten his Michelin star, his third Michelin star, and he just won that contest for best restaurant and he can't compete anymore? They're right. like, is he just like, closing down because he's achieved all of his goals. Um, And I suspect perhaps, yes. (laughs) Um, The whole thing, there's also, I tried to find this, but it was a story. The Sussmans had a meme about it and they were like something along the lines of Noma, like acknowledges that the industry is broken, but instead of actually trying to participate in fixing it, we're just going to (laughs) close. Sounds too (laughs) hard. Which is very true. Um, and also they've been doing this for 20 years. So like, I don't know. I'm a little suspicious myself. Um, yeah, I mean, look, who knows what the answer is and I really don't know how it works over in Copenhagen, but I will say that like, it's a burnout. And if you have like a lot of money and you've kind of, like you said, like achieved your goals and done what you came to do, which is, you know, abuse people who are staging and yell and scream and make a lot of people's lives terrible. Like maybe you want to stop and like, the good and the bad, right? Like he, he probably like got to be as creative as humanly possible and probably did a lot of things. Maybe he regrets or doesn't regret or whatever, but like, it's not like there's actually deeply no reason to continue doing this restaurant forever. Right. Like, he, yeah. He also does regret a lot. Um, <laughs> but he, the thing is, is like, obviously fine dining is having a trouble right now. Um, and Obviously, all restaurants are having trouble right now. You know, it's not just fine dining. I also just think, as I was researching this, like, what, and, you know, we've seen the menu, and, like, but, like, who is fine dining actually for? Like, that's my question. Like, it's only people who can afford it are rich, you know? So, I don't know. Just, like, I feel like maybe the part of the reason why fine dining is going by the wayside is that, like, people also, like, don't like rich people as much as they used to (laughs) yeah I think that's part of it and also like I don't know I mean I think it's kind of like a bigger conversation but I think like every year that passes and I think like Instagram has a big thing to do with this right Mm -hmm. is that it used to be so much harder to get any interesting cool food right so like 20 years ago you had to go to like a fine dining restaurant to find some like really cool kind of inventive thing or whatever or something that was beyond like pasta primavera and a beet and goat cheese salad you know what I mean like yeah and and now that like these restaurants have been along for around for a long time and people have branched out to try to do their own like slightly more accessible versions of them down and down and down. It's kind of like in The Devil Wears Prada when uh, Meryl Streep's character, the Anna Winter character, talks about the color blue you're wearing and how that came from somewhere so like up at the, you know what I mean? Like far yeah. away from where it started and now you're kind of just wearing whatever this color blue that you bought wherever. Um, and I think that like people don't really like need to go to these places to have some kind of like really exciting food experience, part of right. it, right? Um, yeah. And, and also like, you know, 
I mean, I'd like to say like, it's because people don't have as much money anymore or something, but I don't unfortunately think that's true. I think no, I think it's just like, like not fashionable. I think basically like, you know, fine dining has like waxed and waned, you know, as time yeah. goes on. I always just think of New York restaurants, obviously, but um, I think at the time of the fine dining restaurant is probably ending for now. It, I don't think yeah. it's permanent, but it's definitely not very fashionable. I, I mean, with some people, they'll always just be eating food like that, but those yeah. people are- It's never spoken to me at all. I've never- Yeah, I, I know. And we, neither one of us have really even been on that fine dining vibe. Um, Surprisingly enough, I know this must come as a shock <laughs> to a lot of you, particularly you, Ken Burns. Yeah. But um, yeah, like- it's just never even been something I've had any interest or like, oh, if, if only I could afford or if someone would take me there. Like, I have no desire. Like, that's not how I like to eat. I don't like to think of people being forced to cook that way or work in that kind of environment, even if it was like a nice environment, which it really never is. But let's say even if it was like, I just don't, it's so rigid and so like sterile and like the it's, opposite yeah, it's of what I want fun. food to be. Yeah, it's not like a fun way to eat. Or it's I guess not. some people find it fun, but I don't, I am scared of it. <laughs> so I'm also scared of it. And I think that like, personally, like nothing really is better than like bread and butter and even Agreed. like to, and not even just like amazing homemade sourdough and cultured homemade butter. I mean like Italian bread at like, a you know, whatever Italian restaurant with a cold butter packet and foil. Like it really Delicious. like, it can only kind of food only tastes so good and you can torture it and do all this stuff to it. But it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, but speaking of fine dining, <clears throat> Finnish chef Kim McCola, who worked at Noma for four years, says, fine dining, like diamonds, ballet, and other elite pursuits, has abuse built in. Everything luxitarian is built on somebody's back. Somebody has to pay. Yeah. And I was like, dang. But he... Is going to build a chain of equitable and sustainable fried chicken restaurants. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. So maybe that. I mean, I like fried chicken. Sure. I mean, these are going to be in Denmark, I believe. So you have to go there to try them. Um, That's fine. <laughs> so yeah. So like I said, there before this closing happened, they had been they and several other fine dining establishments had gotten some bad press about the treatment of their staff and sexual harassment and the usual suspects um, yeah. that at this point are not even remotely surprising. Um, <clears throat> there was a lot of talk about how they had multiple stagiaires, which are unpaid interns working, like 30 of them working at the restaurant at a given time um, for free, 16-hour days. 16-hour um, days? Yes. Um, famously, it's been much written about in the press since this closing has come out. Uh, one of the interns was said that she was forbidden to laugh while doing her 16-hour-long task. And her task was just constructing beetles out of fruit leather. How do you not laugh while you're doing that? <laughs> she wasn't allowed to. <laughs> what if someone came over and tickled you? It would be funny. It was like... She wasn't allowed to laugh, and her task was laying there where somebody tickled her feet with a feather all day long. <laughs> yeah, and then she was also like, and I didn't learn anything because I just made a beetle out of fruit leather. Um, right. <clears throat> and That's then, just free labor. If you're not teaching somebody anything, and this is, like, obviously a bigger conversation, but just very yeah. face value. Like, if you're not teaching anyone something, you're just having them work for you to do like a project that they're not interested in for free for 16 hours a day while somebody tickles their feet and they can't laugh. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, also, as I mentioned, Red Zeppi, Renee, wrote an article in 2015, an essay, um, admitting that he bullied his staff and that he attempted to be nicer, but he was not successful. <laughs> It is hard. Um, Once you've gotten used to being a piece of shit, it is very hard to turn yeah. around. Um, he, um, okay, but in the midst of all of this bad press, they decided to start paying their interns, um, which added $50,000 a month to their operating costs. Wow. Um, which is a lot of money. 
I don't know yeah. if these are euros or dollars. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody knows. Um, and They're then Renee Redzepi has been on a public spiritual journey lately, um, talking about how he meditates, how he embraces therapy, and how he likes walking. Oh, sure. <laughs> walking is great. Welcome to the club. <clears throat> so, you know, the combination of paying his interns and having a spiritual journey more than likely contributed to his decision to close. Um, however, I also want to point out that even though he wrote this essay in 2015 about how he verbally abuses his staff, he was knighted by the queen of Denmark. And he also wrote a book on leadership with the Nelson Mandela foundation. <laughs> Marona mia, come on. <sighs> um, wow. So yeah, I just want to complete this Fun, gentle story about Noah by describing a dish that's on Wikipedia, which I found hilarious, and then a TripAdvisor review that is terrible. <laughs> okay, great. So the dish is called hen and egg, and it's a meal cooked by the diners themselves. Get the it fuck includes, out of here. Yeah, it includes potato chips, a wild duck egg, slightly wet hay. <laughs> Salt, herbs, wild forest plants, hay oil, <laughs> thyme, butter, and wild garlic sauce. So, and yeah. you cook it yourself for five hundred dollars. You're going to cook myself a bunch of hay. Am I slightly wet hay? Am I supposed to eat that? <laughs> well, if hay you have a is for horses. Kroner, <laughs> hay is for horses. So, like, whatever. Maybe this was a meal for horses. I don't know. Um, <laughs> This TripAdvisor review is very long, so I just took some snippets. Um, the title of the, re the review is Mind-Blowingly Bad. Wow. <laughs> um, I am still in shock and speechless about how this could be the best restaurant in the world. Um, they served us burnt carcinogenic flatbread with burnt rose petals. <laughs> <laughs> Staff running out into the forest to find leaves and grasses for us to eat, and I have to eat a chewy beef tartare. <laughs> I repeatedly had a vision of my dog eating grass to make himself sick as I sat through 20 courses. I would pay, <laughs> I would pay more than 500 euros per person to not eat at Noma. <laughs> wow, that's scathing. That's scathing. Oh man, I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that there would be bad reviews, but of course there are, and there are more on TripAdvisor as well. It's pretty fun to check them out. Let's uh, read one each week for yeah, the next we ten should. years until they close. Yeah, good idea. That's really fun. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got. Wow, great story. I love that. It's a real think piece. <laughs> yeah. I read something of someone um, who used to work at Noma talking about how like since they've left there, they have like you know, done a lot to work, um, within kind of like charitable organizations and nonprofits with, within the industry and highlighting different things. And they're like, no one has contacted me about anything that I've done with all of this kind of work for like <laughs> food justice. And like, you yeah. know what I mean? People who are food insecure and then children who are food insecure. He's like, and then like, you know, a thousand people contact me if I've heard that no month clo is closing. Yeah. And it's just really, it's interesting. I mean, I think in this industry still, even with the like, you know, light that's been shined on it within the past couple of years, which is important. You know what I mean? There's yeah. still such an, and I think that's why the menu is such a great movie in so many ways, the fetishization of particularly the white male chef. You know what I mean? It happens for I chefs know. like this in general, particularly the white male chef. I went to a holiday party, um, restaurant holiday party. And I was talking to one of the young chef kids who's like totally arrogant and like thinks he's the shit. And apparently he's actually not, but it doesn't matter <laughs> at all. Cause he's a tall white guy. Yeah. Um, and I was like, he was like, well, yeah, my eventual goal is to like move to Chicago and open a restaurant. And I was like, in the year 2023, like these people are still trying to open restaurants, even though they, it's like, they just like their ego won't let them admit yeah. that that's not, a good idea, I guess. Absolutely. It's not a good idea. And as someone who's like, you know, you know, I guess I am, a, I guess I am a chef and I did own a restaurant. And I think it's important to remember people for the one person who's listening to this, who actually agrees with us anyway, but just like, 
it's just food. You know what I mean? At the end yeah. of the day, all of this, like, and you know, we were, can, we're conditioned to believe somehow it was more important than it was. Right. And that right. like working in a kitchen because it is like, it is high pressure work historically. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. the more that like, you know, repeated itself throughout history and the militant st- like a scoffier like style of like cooking was like just adapted and like a place for people who had an ego issue to go and like really right. live that out and like act that out on people myself included you know what I mean at times yeah. um it was just like glorified as though it's this big important thing and cooking food is like something that is so important that you should be allowed to act that way towards people or that people should pay right. attention to it in this way like I'm just here to say, like, as someone, this is my career, this is something I actually, I, and I do care about cooking and food. It's just not important. You know what I mean? Like, like right. the elements of food that are important are, like, feeding, making sure everyone has some. You know what I mean? Right. And then if you are lucky and enough to be able to take the time to think about if it tastes good, that's a real privilege. And, like, just... I don't know, the glorification and the, like, fetishization of, like, these people as though they're heroes or that their work is important enough to allow them to be terrible. It's not. It's not right. important enough. It's yeah, not it's r- correct, you know? I know, I think we're still just kind of... I feel like the interesting thing is, and part of the reason why I wanted to make fun of the New York City restaurant scene um, is because it's just like people just keep opening restaurants. Like, they just... <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I nobody's it. Nobody's changing anything. It's like COVID never even happened. Like people I know. are just like, oh yeah. And I love that they keep opening restaurants in like that one place I sent you on Instagram. I'm like, remember we went to this restaurant one time because it closed immediately afterwards. Oh. And then yes, it's in the exact same space. Like I just like everyone's just like mine is gonna be different. Totally. Which is people like the joke that they me. make on Sex in the City, like where they're like. They're, you know, they're, they're going over to some, they want to have a baby and Charlotte does, and they go over to someone's house and their kids are just like complete nightmares. And then they, yeah, they're like, the next night they like lay in bed at the end of the dinner and they're like, they did what every parent has to do to make a child is that they'll be like, ours is going to be different. And it's totally. It's not. And it's not true. It's not going to yeah. be different. And like, I went to, people keep asking me like, oh, when are you going to open another restaurant? I'm like, never. That's a bad <laughs> It's a bad thing to do, right? Also, it really why is. don't they know that by now? Like, <laughs> so bad many thing to do. articles came out about it, and there's so much shit happened during COVID to restaurants. And we were all like, okay, now we understand that there are too many restaurants, and like, it's not sustainable right. for many reasons. But people right. were just like, nah, let's just open another nah, restaurant. <laughs> we're good, even though now it's like impossible. And like, we talk about the impossibility of staffing and stuff like that. And yeah. somehow the like, um, you know, pity goes to the restaurant owner. Oh, it must be so hard. Oh, we can't find staff. Nobody wants to work. Actually, what's hard about that, restaurant owners not being able to staff your restaurant, is how that impacts you and like your mood and your attitude and your stress level and then how you then carry that on to the people who do work for you you know what I mean like it's not just like oh no I can't find staff it's hard for me it makes an untenable working environment you know what I mean so it's just like there's a selfishness in opening a restaurant when there is a staff shortage because it burns out the people who are willing to work for you. It's just like not really fair. I mean, and then again, like I see some people open restaurants, like maybe outside of the city where I'm like, great, like maybe you're actually able to make this work, but I don't know how people do it in New York. And I think it's like kind of selfish at this point. I know. And that's the other thing that kind of makes me annoyed is like the food press is just like, Oh my God, so many new restaurants have opened in New York this year. They're not like, (laughs) should they open? They're not even like questioning it. They were like, all of them were talking about it during COVID and now they're just like, well, there's 500 new restaurants in New York. Um, go totally. eat at all of them. <laughs> totally. And like the impact that this has on the like, um, you know, just overall like gentrification in neighborhoods in New York on the rise in cost of living ever. Like it's terrible. Like, okay. So I mean, Baldor, right. They, uh, unlocked, for instance, I used to have a menu on Baldor that all the things I normally ordered were locked in price wise, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a case of Lavalle whole peeled tomatoes was always $35 for me because I order that every single time I order, right? Um, 
they stopped doing that. Baldor, you're on blast for smaller accounts, right? So anyone who's a smaller account no longer has price locked. So now sometimes I go to order that same case of Lavalley tomatoes and it's $56. Jesus. Right? That's double <laughs> what it cost two weeks ago. And so my point in saying this is that every time you open a new restaurant, right? Okay, so now you don't have your prices locked in. Now your tomatoes cost you $56 a case. So you have to charge $25 for a plate of pasta pomodoro for one, one small portion, right? So then right. that means like a lot, right? Like this is like bad for the community because now people have to like pay $25 for pasta pomodoro. And now that's the going rate. And now that's like what the neighborhood can expect who can like live there and how much money you have to live in New York City to get a fucking plate of pasta pomodoro when you got to eat. So it's like not just about your like, oh, I want to open a restaurant because I have a fucking dream in my heart. It's shitty for everyone that lives in the city kind of you know what I mean I know and I just feel like people don't they just don't think of it that way they're like the only next logical step for me is to open a restaurant so I have to do it <laughs> like yeah I don't I will not stop to think about any other part and I will also not stop to think about how during COVID we all admitted that restaurants are not sustainable um I'm totally. just gonna go ahead and open one just like that totally and I'll say like my own my own like drive at 26 to open a restaurant, it was totally ego driven. It was totally because like, oh, I had like real deep insecurity in my past. And I just wanted to like create something where like people would appreciate what I was doing. And I had a little bit of money that I got from an accident. I was like, well, this is what I'll do. If I was re really honest about why, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even back then, like that was fine. I mean, like, I mean, it, it was wasn't fine. Fine. But, like, it was, we weren't talking about restaurants in the way that we are now, you know? Totally. And I just think it's like, we had this whole period of time and it just meant nothing. Like people are just going back to exactly the way things were. Absolutely. And I just think it's important. I guess my point in trying to say that is for people, like, because I think on the surface level that 90% of people who are opening restaurants who aren't like Keith McNally's and stuff have like some <laughs> sort of genuine, like earnest, like pure surface level desire right to like yeah. live a dream I love to cook I can do it differently etc cetera, etc cetera. like I don't think that people are malevolently opening these places like I'm gonna ruin this city you know what I mean but I think <laughs> right. it's important to like ask ourselves these questions whatever we're doing whenever we can like what's my motivation for doing this and can my goal like my to my can I satiate my actual motivation in a way that is less harmful you know what I mean and less mm -hmm. like um volatile really because for the restaurant tour again like there's a really good chance that you're gonna fucking ruin your life doing this and for a right. period of time you know it, it, take it from me like I you know <laughs> went bankrupt and like my life went into a real tailspin for a long time until I kind of does not that I have it all figured out but found some way of being like oh well I like this part of this and I don't want to be like this so like how can I achieve this how can I right. work with people that I can afford to like give an actual decent amount of money and how can I afford to not work with them in a way where I'm like the boss who's like get, you know what I mean like yeah and exactly. there is ways to do that and it just you know you might have like a little less they might have a little less panache you know but there are ways right so. and yeah the rents in New York are mentally ill. <laughs> so I don't even <laughs> understand. True. Also, just, I mean, obviously this is true too, but like, and it's been that way for a long time, but the prices in New York are insane to go out to eat. Like I just came back to visit, you know, a couple months ago and yeah, I like went out to get a glass of wine and like a french fry and it was like seven thousand dollars <laughs> i know it's seven we went to this new restaurant down um in the two bridges which i'm gonna just start calling Times square two bridges no. again because yeah just yeah, i'm like don't call it Times square no so we went to this restaurant like two bridges in like chinatown and this is like new cool place or whatever what's it called and it's called casino we oh you yeah because casino is owned by well i think partially owned by some people that I know. Anyway, go on. Yeah. And Becky knows someone who owns it. So we, we went there and like, not to throw shade, like, but it was just so expensive. It was four of us and it was like over $600. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. And I'm not like trying to buy, like it was, we wanted to have like a Christmas dinner or whatever. So it wasn't like we were trying to like 
you know, we were prepared to go out and like spend a little money. I mean, much more money than we normally would going out to dinner, but still like, I don't think four people should go out to dinner and get a bottle of wine and a couple of cocktails and it'd be $600. I know we went out, you and I went out and got just snacks with Becky when I was in town and we spent $200 on just snack foods. (laughs) I know. Like French fries and cheese. Yeah, it's yeah. a problem. And like, you know, the thing is we can sit here and be like, it's a problem for us. It's a, it's really a problem for a lot of other folks like who, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, it's terrible. It's really bad. And it's, um, it's insidious and it's only going to get worse. So we have a bad mayor in the city. There's no desire to like make yeah. any of that any easier or better. I also think this is one other thing. You don't really do delivery much, but, um, like the other issue is because of all the ways that those big delivery companies have sort of taken over that you basically have to use seamless or Grubhub or whatever. Right. Um, that delivery food is also now just like insanely expensive. Like I was staying with my friends, Ryan and Angela, and he tried to order, like he had a newborn baby at home and Angela went to go get a pedicure. So it was just him and I at the house and he tried to order one hamburger from a nearby place and it was going to be like $50 <gasps> with all the delivery fees. And he was just like, I can't do it. He's like, I just can't do it. I'm like, I'll walk down and get you a burger. Um, but yeah. like, it's just, it's crazy. And the part of it is because you have to pay a fee to those delivery companies. So then you raise your prices and then it's the delivery company charges fee. It's all just like a freaking scam. Of course. And the people who really lose out in this big time are people who lose their homes at the end of the day that, because all of this price gouging leads to rents being higher and people not being able to afford to like actually even eat from the grocery store and food they cook right. at home. Or and also because, live here. you know, there's not really a housing shortage. There's just 60,000 vacant rent control departments. <laughs> I know. It's really fucked up. Well, this wasn't our funniest episode, but it was yeah. a very informative episode. And yeah, that's we good to talk about shit. things. Yeah. Um, I am going to save my piece of this New York restaurant um, story for next week. So just Great. hold on to your butts, people, because I've got something really funny in store. You're going to love it. <laughs> Great. You're going to love the way that you look in this episode of Life's a Banquet, <laughs> of Life's a Banquet, the podcast, about all things edibles, but I don't borrow a Stella pasta. <laughs> bye, Nikki. Love you. Bye-bye. Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.